Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like cryptids, aliens, conspiracies, urban legends, or realizing too late that your thighs have rubbed another hole into the crotch of your favorite jeans. My name is Colleen. My name is Everett. That's worse than leaving your fly undone because you can't fix it. Yeah, no. Like, at least immediately. Happens way too often. I should probably buy nicer jeans. Or like lose some thigh weight. <laughs> I was going to say, or buy some <laughs> some thinner thighs. <laughs> I feel like it's been a minute. Since when? Since I've done an episode. It has. It's been a solid three weeks. Because you've been talking too much about Stardust Ranch and... Pissing people off on YouTube. There are some people who are very <laughs> unhappy with my coverage of Stardust Ranch. And here's what I have to say to that. Mm-hmm. Three things. Number one, touch grass. Number two, who gives a shit? Let's touch grass. And three, you seem a little bit misogynistic. but Yeah. Well, number four, thanks for listening. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, touch grass means go outside, Colleen. Oh, why not just say that? It's it's what the the Gen Z kids say. Touch grass. We don't. Uh, you learned something new today. All right, I guess. And you're going to learn a bunch of new stuff as well. Yeah. What are we talking about? Or should I say a bunch of old stuff? Huh? Because we're going to talk about some medieval monsters. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because. And you should look this up if you're listening, too, because it's everywhere. Back in the Middle Ages, people like authors or just artists would draw monsters, creatures, cryptids, whatever you want to call it, usually in the margins of pages on manuscripts and books, whatever they were writing. Mm -hmm. um, also, there was something called, and I don't know if it's pronounced bestiary or bestiary because the A is taken out, mm -hmm. but it's just a like an encyclopedia of monsters mm -hmm. and it was a very popular thing to purchase and read back in the day i would compare it to today like buying an anthology horror story one thing i will say just related as i was um working during undergrad and planning to go on to get my master's in library science i got a job at an antique and rare book library on campus mm -hmm. and Seeing those drawings in person, like as you're working with those books and those sorts of like ink doodles and the stuff people leave in the margins of books, especially, I mean, this library had books that went back to probably the 11, 1200s. Sure. I think the oldest thing was probably, um, they had a few maps that were super old, um, but they're awesome and they are freaking weird. They're yeah, weird. They're it's like somebody... It's like somebody was describing something to another person who had absolutely no idea what they were talking about, but were required to draw it like a like a bad game of telephone. Yeah. And I mean, of course, every artist is going to be a little bit different, but it is weird how a lot of these drawings have the same style to them. Like mm -hmm. they're kind of chunky, blocky in a lot, of, especially in the margins where they're a lot smaller and doodly, but like they're very squat chunky things so like if you were to draw like a horse it seems like it's the size of a cat like the way that they're drawing it but anyway you should look up some of the pictures they're cool we'll post some maybe on uh social media when we post this episode too mm -hmm. but 
I'm doing it a little bit different. Okay. We're going to play a game. Because we haven't played a game on this podcast in a while. I like games. I'm going to say the name of one of these beasts, creatures, monsters, whatever, and a very short one to two sentence description of said creature. Mm -hmm. And you are going to guess if it's a real documented being or if it's something I made up. Okay, when you say real documented being, you mean... Like, like, not necessarily scientifically real, just a real thing from the Middle Ages that people wrote about, drew, or talked about. Okay. So I need to guess if it came from your brain or the the plague-addled brain of a medieval peasant. Right. Well, <laughs> peasants were probably not the ones that were drawing True. these. Okay. All right. Yes, you get uh, There's the probably so many things historically wrong with the statement I just made, but... <laughs> Sorry, historians. Well, let's let's get started with the mimic dog. These were dogs that looked like a cross between a sheep and a hedgehog and had the ability to perfectly mimic human speech, real or fake. Real. That sounds like a medieval, some medieval shit. It is real. <laughs> yeah. So these dogs were said to have lived throughout uh, Europe and North Africa during the Middle Ages. Those who were lucky enough to see them in person described them as having long legs, the face of a hedgehog, bushy coats, and short wagging tails. They could perfectly mimic human speech, but also human behavior and motions. Rumor had it that they were so skilled at acting human that royal members or royal court members would pay a fortune to see a mimic dog in person. And these dogs actually had written accounts of their existence all over Europe, with one even even being rumored to live in the court of an emperor in Rome. Where did it come from? This is going to be a theme with most of these. No one knows. I mean, there's like first, in some cases, first documented like sightings or stories or whatever. But in this case, I think it was just so popular of a creature that it was just everywhere in Europe. But like somebody had to start it as an idea. And what would that have come from? They saw a dog going and assumed it was mimicking human speech. Maybe. And as I see all over the internet, huskies scream like children, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's just a thing. I mean, they're not around anymore. At least this specific type of creature. There's no stories about this one anymore. One of which was rumored to be owned by a, I'm sorry. A A Roman emperor. Roman emperor. Holy Roman Empire. Interesting. Next. Okay. Wineskin snails. These were actually not snails at all, but gnomes that enjoyed hiding in discarded wineskins. Real or fake? Oh, man. Um, You know what? Sounds real. I'm going to go real. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, man. I made that one up. You got me. That was kind of clever, right? <laughs> sure. I, the reason I wanted to say snail, though, is because that was a common doodle. And a snails. lot of these were snails. For whatever reason, snails. And I didn't talk about this one, but I wanted to. Uh, but I have a lot to talk about. So this one didn't make the cut. But there were these snails that instead of a snail head, it was a cat head coming out. I there is some reason for all of those drawings to be so bizarre. I, I just know it. I also know that like the scribes and stuff 
who were handwriting all of these things may not have necessarily been the greatest artists. Right. Well, <laughs> I think, in the, at least in the pictures I saw, it was very clearly snail shells with cat heads. Yes, yes. I, um, there has to be a reasoning behind that. I think in a lot of cases, they were literally just doodling. Well, I got you with that one. Let's you go did. to the next one. The Blemier. They were giants with no necks or heads, but had faces in their chests. Real or fake? That sounds real. Yes, it is. And this is one of the more popular uh, creatures, or I guess in this case, you could say mythical races from the Middle Ages. So these were giants that stood usually about eight feet tall in most descriptions, okay. despite having no neck or head. So they were eight feet tall at the shoulder, because that was the highest point. Wow. Their faces on the chest scared humans with an eye in each shoulder and a round horseshoe-like mouth in the middle of the chest. Ew. Some said that they lived in North Africa, but an author named John Mandeville said that they lived in a series of islands in East Asia, and this is a quote from him. In another part, there are ugly folk without heads who have eyes in each shoulder, their mouths are round like a horseshoe in the middle of their chest. In yet another part, there are headless men whose eyes and mouths are on their backs. And there are, in another place, folk with flat faces without noses or eyes, but they have two small holes instead of eyes and a flat, lipless mouth. This so he was describing so like a race of creatures or pseudo-humans. It sounds like a stingray that can walk. <clears throat> you ever seen their faces? Yeah, they have, yeah, yeah, little, little mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, the this is definitely one of the most popular ones, and there's a lot of art of these creatures. I think probably the most famous one is basically it, it, they gave it a hat, so it almost looks like a mushroom. Like the the hat is in the shape of like a rounded, almost like sure. mushroom cap. Sure, and it it's painted or the hat is red, but the rest of the body's brown, so it looks like it's a, literally a toadstool. And it's just got this wacky ass face. Oh. Um, so when I, at least for me, when I post this episode on Twitter, I'm going to be also putting that picture up there too. So take a look if you're on Twitter. Um, otherwise, you can look it up yourself too. It sounds like there was some sort of sailor that got real wasted and saw an animal he didn't recognize and was like, yeah, it was a man with eyes on his boobs. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, and I was trying to find like origin of some of these I feel like with a lot of them, especially the ones that are like pseudo human, mm -hmm. it's basically a lot of uh, just fear of the other. Sure. Yes. Or propaganda as well. Yeah. No. True. One question I have. Are most of these monsters European monsters? Al almost all of them will be with a few exceptions that are from other parts of the world. Okay. But they're all going to be from this time period. Okay. The, the next one that I have is the Fliegende Katze. This was a cat creature with webbing between its limbs and a single proboscis instead of a mouth. Real or fake? So it's like a flying squirrel with an anteater nose? But like feline. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds believable. Fake! <laughs> I made <laughs> Damn that it, one I, I suppose I shouldn't be guessing <laughs> real for every single one. <laughs> I mean, I tried to make it sound like something someone would draw in the Middle Ages. <laughs> but I thought, if anyone's wanting to draw anything this i think is some good nightmare fuel material just like a weird cat that is like a flying squirrel 
but with a gross like mosquito proboscis coming out of its face. Yeah, cats are cats are mean. Next, Tvofalt. This was a creature that looked remarkably like a shoe and would bite the toes of any foot that touches it. False. That's not real. Ah, oh, damn it. It's a creature that looks like a shoe. Yeah, Come on. Okay, there's weirder stuff. But shoe? yes, you're right. That is fake. <laughs> okay, next one. Cynocephaly. A secret race of humans with dog heads, and they hated humans. Real or fake? Real. I could, I could see that one being real. Yeah, this one's real. And I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. I think it's Cynocephaly. Or is it Cynocephaly? How do you spell it? It's C-Y-N-O-C-E-P-H-A-L-I. So Cynocephaly? Maybe. I don't fucking know. Cynocephaly? You're you're the librarian, apparently. (laughs) So this was, uh, at least this specific name, would refer to the dog-headed race of pseudo-humans that were spread throughout Europe. But a lot of cultures from around the world have basically the same thing yeah i mean i mean i guess if you even think of ancient egypt yep. there's anubis yeah exactly it's the same the thing what i can think of but well, I'm sure and there's, there's i know there's some in south america and asia too i don't know the names of the creatures but it's the same thing it's humans except they have dog heads and they for the most in most stories dislike humanity it's kind of werewolfy I mean, some werewolves don't entirely transform into mm-hmm. wolves. Yeah. And wolves are dogs. So, yeah, when I <laughs> was looking sort. up for a little information on this, they made that distinction. Like, sometimes they're just always having the dog head. Sometimes it is a transformation like werewolves. Um, and accounts differ. Like, when they're in their dog form, sometimes they would bark. But in most accounts, they can still speak human language with dog heads. I mean, not physically possible. Given True. the face structure of a dog. But they also were leeching people at this time still. Valid point. So. Now, do you have any idea of like how many people legitimately believed in this? Or was this something you tell your kids to keep them out of the forest or I, something? I'm not educated much on this time period, so I don't really know. Uh, other than the plague, I do actually know quite a bit about the plague. <laughs> um, just from oh. like school and stuff. Okay. But like. What people's lives were like, especially the life of the peasant, I have no idea. Sure. But I'm guessing since most people were uneducated, they were more prone to believe stories of fantasy. Yeah. So I don't Yeah, I can believe that. But a little more about these. So medieval literature cites that encounters with these creatures occurred usually in the Middle East and Asia, and that they had an immediate fight or flight response to a meeting with a human. So they would either just run away if they had the ability to do so or attack immediately. Most stories note that they have the ability to speak human languages, as I said. But interestingly, there are still sightings of these today. In the Middle East? Everywhere, worldwide. I mean, obviously not as common as like UFOs or Bigfoot, but people still to this day say they saw like a man with a dog head. That's interesting. Now, again, this one was a European legend that was... This was definitely worldwide, but that specific term refers to the one that is the story in Europe. Okay, it just it's interesting to me that a lot of these monsters seem to not exist in Europe, but 
outside of Europe. Right. Well, this is coming from medieval literature, and this is during the time of exploration. Yes, right. It's just, it's easier to believe in something if there's no chance you're ever going to see it. Very, very true. That is correct. Next one. Sea gloves. These were parasitic creatures that would attach to fingers of swimmers undetected and slowly eat away at flesh. Nah, man. False. Whatever. There's, yeah, you, we're talking about medieval peasants. Are they doing a lot of swimming? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm thinking Monty Python, Holy Grail, Bring Out Your Dead. I just can't. Do you like my names that I come up yeah, with? Yeah, I did. Sea I did. Glove? That's okay, right? Yeah, it was okay. Actually, I didn't even mention the other ones, too. Let's go back. <laughs> I did like the ones that you tried to trick me with foreign language. Yeah, Fliegende Katze literally is flying cat in German. And then, and I know I'm mispronouncing this wrong, but Zwofalt was the shoe creature that I made up. Um, that is Icelandic for oh. double. For double? Yeah, I was thinking of like a doppelganger creature, so it, it mimics like a shoe. <laughs> if I was if I was a sentient creature, mm-hmm. shoe would not be my first like but, mimic. But here's the thing though, mimics were a thing in the Middle Ages. Well, yes. So and that's like almost the same thing. But shoe? You wouldn't yeah, pick not? like treasure baby chest. Or... <laughs> okay. Next. Ahuizatl, a dog-like creature that lived in the water and possessed human hands. Real or fake? Staring Colleen down, trying to psych her out. You're going to get it wrong no matter what you pick. Fake. It's real. God damn it. So this is one of our foreign to Europe creatures. Sure, this sounds South American. Yes. So in the Middle Ages, much of South America was under Aztec rule. This Aztec legend described the and I think I'm pronouncing it right, the Ahuizatl, as a dog-like water beast with long nails and rubbery black skin. At the end of each leg, it had a human-like hand and a fifth hand at the end of its tail. If a human swam near one of the creatures, it would use one or more of its five hands to slash the human and drag them underneath the surface until they drowned. They would then eat the human's eyes, teeth, and nails but nothing else, and leave the rest of the body. What? That is so specific. I was thinking that too, and I mean, I couldn't find any actual evidence of why that was stated, but I'm thinking if a body drowns, or like a, you know, there's a corpse in the water, the first thing to go from just like, you know, peckish fish... Ease of access would would be be the eyes, for sure. And I'm thinking the first thing to fall off from just regular, you know, decomposition would probably be nails. Don't you think? They just easily pop off? I mean, other than Uh, like skin and stuff. Well, yeah, that's... See, that's what's interesting to me is like, how would you know that they only eat the nails and the teeth and the eyes unless the rest of the body was intact? Right, but so like I, I would imagine, if you're finding bodies underwater, they're likely more decomposed than may, I don't maybe, know. Maybe, but I, I mean, if you nothing. find like a recently dead corpse in the water and it's missing its eyes, teeth, and nails, maybe they're just like attributing it to a specific monster. See, that's too modern day. If I saw a corpse in the water that was missing its eyes, teeth, and nails, I'd be like, this person does not want. This person, the person who murdered this person does not want them to be identified. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're thinking too true crime and yes. not enough cryptid, 
like cryptozoology. Right. It's it's just and then the five hands is it's I so think that's kind of cool. Like it is. I'm just trying to like equate it to anything. I don't know why I keep trying to do that. These are just silly stories, Colleen. Like, what if they're real? They were real at the time. Next. Nakolavi, a skinless horse with an attached human rider that lives underwater. This one I know is real. It's a Scottish legend. Yes, 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 yes. So this Scottish legend describes the skinless horse and rider as a single creature conjoined together. Mm -hmm. They have no skin, so you can see their muscles and bones, and it bleeds black blood, and the horse portion of the creature has a single eye that burns with a bright fire, and usually described as like an evil or unholy fire. Yeah. Much like the Kelpie, also in Scottish legend, it drags humans to their deaths underwater. However, the in the difference here is the human portion of the creature has arms that are long enough to grasp prey and not let go. And in the art or the drawings of this creature, the human arms would were so long that they would reach the ground even though it's on top of the horse. So it's like a skinless horse with a human attached with long ass arms. Yeah, and I I've always loved that legend, the idea of it, because it's fucking terrifying. Can you imagine like being on a beautiful Scott, the 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 beach of a beautiful Scottish lock, and all of a sudden a skinless man comes and horse and horse, and not only that, he's fucking attached to a horse. Yeah, they're like skin and bone is fused together. He's just in like constant pain. Is a horse also naked? Yeah, they're all, but they're both skinless. Right. So no I guess hair. I always just kind of pictured it as like a centaur type. Well, no, like I pictured it as like a torso growing out of the back of yes, a horse. That is exactly what it is. Except. But the horse yeah, is also sure, naked. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there's no legs on the human. It's just right, the that's what horse I was thinking, legs like, with oh, the long arms. Like torso, tumor. Yeah. The, the artwork that I saw for this one was modern artwork. Sure. So I'm not quite sure, but. From the descriptions I read, it definitely seems like the torso is coming out. Yeah. I mean, some pictures I've seen of it is kind of like a centaur without skin. But then I think that the, doesn't still make much sense, though, because there's still be two heads, like the human head and the horse head. Right. I mean, it all depends on the depiction. I think that the quote unquote real Nuklavi is like horse with man torso sprouting out of its back. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Like randomly, I don't know. And that's I, it's more just, scary to me. I it is. Yes, I just i I want to know whose nightmare that came from, and what what was wrong in their life at that time. So, and I've I've wanted to do an episode about the Kelpie for a little while too, but mm -hmm. I just couldn't find enough stories about it. Um, but I can't recall. Is the Kelpie also skinless and hairless, or is it just like an underwater horse? I'm. I think it's from my understanding. It's, it's just hair. a horse. I think like an underwater horse. Yeah, I think so. But too. I also I I mean I've heard of them, but I don't know sure. of it. Well, if anyone's interested in a Kelpie episode, wants to send us some stories. Yeah, go ahead. I was just thinking. I wonder if this came from like 
dudes sitting on a beach and then like they've got a horse with them drinking water and stuff and it wades into the water and it's like we i'm doing horse things and then it comes out of the water and a gross skinless corpse is hanging off of it i doubt it and then they run away (laughs) i think a lot of people during this time era were just really into you know horror stories i mean not as we know them today but like imagine how bleak it was to live during the plague and see so much death around you even before the plague like a lot of this art has to deal with like the mortality of man right and that's fascinating because to me the last thing as a medieval peasant surrounded by death the last thing i would want is like scary stories i want someone to tell me a, a story about a little girl who was a peasant becomes a rich rich princess and lives forever you're just too posh i think so next black bile serpent this was a headless snake that would decrease the amount of black bile in the human body if ingested real or fake now this is a tricksy one because i do not like bile is like one of the humors and one that of the was four. Four well, humors. Specifically black. I think the other one is yellow? Yellow bile? Yeah, but my point is that that was like a common belief at the time. So did you incorporate that into something you made up? Or were people actually eating snakes? Because again, not totally out of the ordinary in medieval times. They have some strange remedies for things. I'm going to go with true. God damn it! I was a little proud of that one, coming up with that one. (laughs) Next. Sea monk. The male counterpart to mermaids, and they had the appearance of a monk covered in scales. Real or fake? What? Wait. I mean, whether this came out of your brain or some (laughs) peasant, I have questions. How is that the male counterpart to a mermaid? You know that ladies can't be... Of the cloth. <laughs> right, but why would they be monks specifically? I, or, or are they monks who, like, left the church and decided to drown themselves and Satan grabbed them and covered them in scales <laughs> and they're meant to roam the earth or the seas? Answer I, the question. Can they have, how do they make more of them? Real or fake? I'm going to go fake. It's got to be fake. This had to come from your weird ass head. This one is super real. What the hell? This was one of the more popular uh, legends of the time. Scaly monk? Yes. So (laughs) sea monks were fish people with scales surrounding their bodies. And there's some discrepancies. So some said that the ways that the scales arranged themselves on the upper half of the body gave the appearance of a monk. So like either in... The regalia plus like that, you know, monk haircut. Mm-hmm. But others say that the scales arrange themselves to a point, making it look like they have a bishop hat. So they called them sea bishops. Either way, okay, they're so religious they're not, figures. They're not legitimately like monks, though. No. They just have the appearance of potential clergymen. Correct. Okay. <laughs> now, the name really throws me off because I'm just picturing like a naked monk, but like covered in scales, so he's not exactly naked. And some some descriptions are like the lower half is like human looking, but others are like mermaid looking. So like fish bottom half with like a monk's top. Who is going to evangelize 
and convert the, fish. the mermaids. <laughs> I think he's in the fish. Or, or the fish. The clams. Even the seas must get the good word. 70% of the world is water, <laughs> I guess. Um, so a little bit more about these weirdos. Uh, they never spoke, and they swam around and communicated with only gestures. In one legend, a sea monk was captured and given to a member of Polish royalty. The king wanted to keep it, but the creature begged to be set free through gesture. The king, whether out of kindness or pity, decided to set it free, and this royally pissed off the king's court, who then cussed him out for letting the creature go, as it was the only one that was ever captured. Convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so weird, though. Yes. I saw a little bit of artwork, but again, this was more modern artwork of the sea monk. So it just looked like a fucking monk that had, you know, like the like creature of the Black Lagoon yeah, style. That's what I was picturing, too. I Yeah, I don't know about this one, but it's weird. I like it. It's creative. Next, vegetable lamb. Plants that had a protrusion that looked and sounded exactly like a lamb. No, false. Totally false. Oh, I thought you would have known this one. This is real. A fucking vegetable. La- it's a vegetable that has a tumor that looks like a lamb. Does it yep. talk? Does it bah? I could have sworn you would have known about this Why one. Why did I know about that one? I hate vegetables. So this is specifically called the vegetable lamb of Tartary. And it was a folktale that was first described by a traveler that we've already mentioned, John Mandeville. According to Mandeville's tale... It was a lamb that was actually a plant. It would bleat like a regular sheep. It could move, it could graze, and if sliced, it would still bleed like a sheep. However, it was still a plant and could never wander away from its stalk. If you removed the stalk from the lamb, it would die and the farmers would have to eat it. Oh, damn it. I wonder if it tastes like lamb, though. (laughs) I I mean, mean, because that would be very convenient if you could grow your own lamb. Like, you know, other than you, you don't have to deal with the whole getting mommy lamb and daddy lamb together and then raising them. So the the artwork of this is like just like some sort of like bushy foliage with just a single stalk coming out and just a <laughs> lamb sitting on the top. So it's not even standing like on the ground. Oh. It's suspended, at least in that picture I saw. All right. So my but the question, descriptions make it sound like it walks. I My real question is, why the fuck would you think I know about that one? This, this one. OK, the reason I and for listeners that don't know, um, Colleen dabbled in the herbology I, recently. I have dabbled in the herbology. And that's why I thought you would have seen this, because okay. I feel like this is a famous you know, medieval artwork. I thought you were making fun of my Irish ancestry. Sheep, no. you should know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Next, there's going to be one about a potato. And I probably will know it, because potatoes kick ass. Next, the bonicon. A bowl with horns that were too curled to use for protection, so it uses projectile feces as a form of protection. See, that sounds like real a potentially fake. real, like really actually real animal that just went extinct because like poop can't defend you from bullets or something. Um. <laughs> That's true. Poop can't defend you from bullets and it does probably does not make good bulletproof like vests. Honestly, you know what? I can picture this being drawn in the, the margin of a medieval manuscript. So I'm going to go with real. Back on the board. This is real. <laughs> so writers described the Bonacon as a bull-like creature with the mane of a horse and very curled horns. And in the artwork, it's curled so much that it looks like a seashell or like a snail shell. Sure, sure, sure. 
Because their horns were curled, they were not useful for defense. And according to Pliny the Elder, a Roman writer from the first century, and this originated in the first century but became popular in the Middle Ages, sure. it runs away while releasing a trail of dung that can cover three furlongs. Contact with the dung burns pursuers as though they had touched fire. Lava shits. Ooh, Taco Bell. <laughs> now, I... What would have happened to them? If these were a real beast, let's just assume they were. Sure. Were people eating them? And that's... They're, like, extinct? Did did some sort of lava shit disease spread through the population? Why? Where did these go? I think with with, like, goats, sheep whatever, cows or cattle, they have their horns and they're always available for protection. You only have so much shit. True. So if you're pursued long enough, there's no way you can contain enough shit to shoot yeah, and leave behind. I There are, I cannot think of many animals that use their own shit as a defense yeah, mechanism. Just like squids. Do they? Well, I mean, the, the ink. Well, I mean, skunks have their like spray stuff. True. I'm talking about actual poo. It seems, plus evolutionarily, why would a horn get that curly? Wouldn't you just lose the horn? How do you birth that? Like rams. Rams have that really curled horn. But they use their horns. They do, but I'm just thinking like maybe if this were a real creature, they're just like, and the reason they died out is because they suck, that their horns just curled so much evolutionarily that they just went extinct. Do you know how like goats and stuff fight each other with their horns? Hell yeah. How does lava shit? How do those fights go? I assume they would very, fight. Like, very <laughs> dirty. I can't imagine being a female member of that species wanting to hang out. Next. All right, next. Sanguejuela de Plaga. Large multicolor leeches that were said to cure anyone from the plague, feeding on the illness instead of sucking blood. Real or fake? This is another one where I can just tell you were writing it, trying to trick me, being like, snails, leeches, they used those. Did they use snails? I don't know. Well, sure they did. I think it was just fun to draw their shells, and that's why there's so many snails in I these just, margins. I feel like if you could find a use for something in medieval times, you used it. Um, I'm going to go with fake. This seems too calculated. Mm, you got me. Yes. It is fake. I thought even like throwing in the Spanish would throw you <laughs> off. I think too. that it was the bad mis like pronunciation. I couldn't even tell. I can't you pronounce were. the real ones either. <laughs> okay, I have one last one. Okay, the centacore, a horse-sized creature with tusks and two very large horns on its head. Despite their large length and weight, it can move them at will in battle. Real or fake? Uh, the name just sounds like you picked two things and melted them together. I'm going to go fake. It's real. What? Um, it does sound like the manticore, which is another medieval well, legend, centaur. too. True. Yeah. But yeah, the centacore is definitely a real thing. Mentions of this date as far back as the first century, but by the Middle Ages, they had become a common subject for writers in there, as I said earlier, either bestiaries or bestiaries. The descriptions were all basically the same. A black horse-sized goat with tusks. On top of the centacore's head was a pair of long, movable horns 
that it used in combat. And here is a quote from one of these bestiaries uh, from Aberdeen's bestiary. The horns are not fixed, but move as the needs of fighting require. It advances one of them as it fights, folding the other back so that if the tip of the first is damaged by a blow, it is replaced by the point of the second. That's bizarre. It's, I'm just thinking like, you know how some bugs have like the antenna and they just twitch them around and can move them. It's like that, but horns. Yeah. Huh. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about that one. Man, there's so stuff was going on What's in your, medieval times. Th- th- those were all the ones I had, but I want to ask, of, of the fake or real ones, which one is your favorite? Necklavy, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, you already knew about that one, though. Yeah, okay. Of the new ones that I did not the, know about? The Necklavy is my favorite, too, because it is just the It's coolest. badass. Yeah. We should do an episode on the Necklavy. Look, I'm sure we've made a lot of serious um, mistakes regarding medieval history and literature. Possibly. If we have any medieval scholars or people knowledgeable uh, about any of this, <laughs> please email us. I would love to hear more, especially since I have worked with these kinds of documents. Just being able to see those sorts of things firsthand really, uh, I don't know, it makes it more real. And, and I should say, too, I left out the very popular ones like the unicorn and oh, dragons. Yeah. And in, in the margins of these documents and in the bestiaries, it's mostly that. It's like mostly dragons sure. and unicorns. And another one I did leave out that I thought was interesting was the monopod. It's basically just a small human with one big leg and one big foot. And it would hop around on it. <laughs> and the leg or the foot is so big that when it needed to rest, it could lay on its back and then use the foot as sun cover. <laughs> Um, I like but that. Th- I left that one out because honestly, it's a little racist. Um, uh, sure. So, but and there, there's a lot of interesting creatures, is what I'm saying. So, if you're interested, definitely look at the artwork of these because yeah. they are cool. You that reminds me that I'm sure everybody who's been on the internet has seen this picture, but like there's that drawing that has gone around, and it was in the margins of some medieval text, and it's a lady picking dicks off of a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm picturing this whole it's time. It's literally just basically school kids drawing dicks in their notebooks. It's the same thing. Yeah, we, but humans like, have never changed. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so you never know, kids, what you draw <laughs> in the margin of your math notebook might make history. I have a disclaimer to say. Mm-hmm. Obviously, today's episode was a little more lighthearted and not super research heavy. Right. The reason for that is because very soon we are going to be releasing a new podcast on this channel that I'm very excited about. That he's mentioned every week. But I'm bringing it up one last time because hopefully I'm hoping next week it will be released. And we're recording our first episode of this podcast tomorrow. Right. And I'm super excited. Um, It's about Norse mythology and the context of the stories from the Old Norse, as well as applying that to the modern day with modern Norse paganism uh, and some stories about that as well. But the focus will be the old stories Mm -hmm. about the gods and the heroes. So if that is something that interests you, please uh, look out for it. It will be called uh, the Norse Woods podcast. 
uh, name comes from us living in the North Woods of <laughs> uh, the Midwest in the United States for our international listeners. So it just made sense to call it the Norse Woods podcast. Yeah. So this was just kind of a breather before embarking on that second podcast for this week. But don't worry, folks, because I got a juicy episode for next week. And A Little Spooky is still going to be releasing weekly, so don't even worry about it. Yeah, you'll still get your spooky fix. And Norse Woods will be as I see fit. We will be releasing. As we have time. <laughs> well, also, one last uh, story, I believe, from Colleen. Yes, we got... A listener email. This is from Punk Rock AJ from Northern California. And it still amazes me that like people other than my mom listen to this podcast. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Yeah. Punk Rock AJ actually hosts his own podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but um, it's called Heroes in History. It's a history podcast where they try to recreate historical figures in Dungeons and Dragons, which is like a really cool concept to me. I haven't had a chance to listen yet, what, though, what, so check her out. What class do you think Teddy Roosevelt would be? Rogue, of course. You think? Or fighter? Are there, is there what's fighting class? Yeah, there's but, several, but like, yeah, he's a more fighter for sure than a rogue. True. You're right. I just, Rogue is my favorite because that's the only one I really know. <laughs> anyway, he has anyway, a story for us. So he sent us a story. Let me preface this story, though, by saying that I already know that this didn't happen. Still, it's one of the weirder events that have happened in my life, and the memory has stuck with me. In the mid-90s, I lived in a town called Dublin, California. I mention this because one of the most popular arcade games at this time was Area 51. It's a game that has the weird orange aliens with one eye, zombies, and explosions. Sounds about right. As goofy as that game looks today, it positively freaked me out as a kid, and you can still find old cabinets here and there at movie theaters and whatnot. I know this sounds tangential, but it will become somewhat important. Anyways, my little brother and I lived on the second story of this house, with me taking the top bunk and him the bottom in our room. In this room was one large window that gave me a great look at the sky, and it overlooked our backyard. One night, I remember not being able to fall asleep, so I started looking out the window. While staring out of the window, I noticed a satellite flying across the night sky. I mean, I guess it was a satellite that's not completely out of the realm of impossibility, or it could have been some sort of airplane flying to the nearest airport. The point is, it was some set of flashing lights in the sky. I remember closing my eyes, but since I couldn't fall asleep, I opened my eyes again, and the satellite had reset itself. As in, when I first closed my eyes, the satellite had been about to leave out the right side of my window, but when I opened my eyes again, it was all the way back where it had first began on the left side of the window. Whoa. I vaguely remember only barely noticing this at first, but then I closed my eyes and opened them again and again, and the satellite was back on the side of the window where it had began. Puzzled by this and becoming a bit more of this bizarre occurrence, I remember closing and opening my eyes a few more times, and always, the satellite would reset itself. I had no idea what was going on, so I finally decided to just keep my eyes open. The satellite never left past the edge of the window where I could see. Instead, it somehow got closer. Um, he decides to keep his eyes open a little bit longer. He's like, is it really coming closer? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, there was a blinding light that landed in his backyard. 
This is why I know this didn't happen. There weren't any loud noises, the house didn't shake, and there was nothing to show that was amiss. Nevertheless, I immediately shut my eyes and refused to open them. I think I had a nightmare after that where one of those aliens from the Area 51 game was in our house. And then I woke up. Nothing happened or has ever happened. But you know what's interesting to me? I Now, you might need to clarify, punk rock AJ, because did you fall asleep after this happened to you? Or were you are you saying you were asleep the whole time and you think it was just a bizarre party or dream? Because mm-hmm. it seems to me like that totally could have happened. And then maybe maybe not the, the, the crashing in your backyard. Or maybe you just experienced a glitch in the Matrix. Well, I was thinking a similar thought when he was describing the satellite moving back and forth. But also, if anyone is familiar with the movie The Fourth Kind, memories are implanted oh, yeah. and abductees. So you dismiss this as a dream, and of course that's the easy answer. Yeah, you're that's taking the easy, the easy way, way out. out, punk rock AJ. But maybe it really was an alien, and your memories fail you. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you remember the flash of light, you just don't remember the sound or anything that came after it. And then you woke up and nothing happened. Think about that. Yeah. This should haunt you in your dreams now. It was real. It actually happened. You were abducted and that's you have memory proof. That's well, horrifying. Give us any uh follow up if you yeah. discover more <laughs> you, about yourself. You ever see that? But actually that is um even if you take out like the I don't know, alien UFO portion. The thought of like the glitch in the Matrix kind of like seeing the same satellite over and over again. It kind of reminds me of that scene in WandaVision where. Well, let's not do spoilers, though, because I'm sure a lot of people want to watch that. Okay. Uh, It kind of it's it it was glitchy in the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, thank you, AJ, for sending us that. That was super cool. Yes, I love it when people send us stories. Feel free to send more, and as many as you want. Yeah, and if anyone else has a personal story or anything they want to share with us uh, and they want us to read about it on the episode, yeah, definitely send it our way. Uh, you can send us an email, uh, email. Colleen, what is the correct email? Okay, I've recently been informed that I've been this entire time providing everybody with the wrong email. It is not podcast at nerdsloth.com it is podcasts plural at nerdsloth.com um so sorry (laughs) (laughs) but if it's easier for you you can send us a message on twitter instagram or facebook as well all are at nerdsloth hq no matter which one you send it to we will get it right away um and somehow aj did get the correct email yeah and i'm not sure where he got it so kudos it to you. It wasn't from me. <laughs> I think he watches um, Cartoon Boom and they oh, clearly get it right. Yeah, they get it correct. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, obviously, listen to other shows on Nerdsloth. Yeah. Cartoon Boom being the longest lasting one. Yeah. So give them a, a check out. Yeah. So thanks for listening to this quick episode, lighthearted episode. We'll be at you next time. And... Keep an eye out for our new podcast, Northwoods yeah. Podcast. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Right, love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.
Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.